Hello. 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 Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can, Matthew. Great, great. So introduce yourselves, say hi. Um, I'm Bert, and this is my wife, Valerie, and she can speak for herself. Hello, Valerie. Yeah, hello, Matthew. It's so lovely to see you and be part of the service this morning. Yeah. Uh, we are just uh, really delighted to uh, be able to be a part of this and just want to thank everybody for adopting us yeah. and uh, what a privilege to be part of your uh, home group Matthew and yep. meet Colette, mm -hmm. Colette and, and Gillian and Tracy and, Tracy yeah. and yourself so mm. uh, we've really enjoyed that it's been fantastic. Likewise it's been very special hasn't it? Yeah it has been. So you guys are all the way over on the west coast of Ireland? Yeah, we're about four hours away. I'm not sure how many miles that is. It's just a, a bit shy of 200 miles. Yeah. Uh -huh. Great. And yeah. close to Ballina. I remember Ballina. Yeah, you go through Ballina to get to us. We're about another 25, 30 minutes on the coast. I'm looking at the Atlantic as we're talking to you now on Down Patrick Head. Uh -huh. Brilliant. And so I think Gary sent you through a few questions. Um, the first one, I suppose, give us a wee bit of a background into uh, how did you meet Jesus? How did you come to faith? Yeah, I suppose our background would be both of us grew up in, the, in Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm a drone man, but I'm from County Down. And, uh, you know, we were in the traditional churches, as most were in those days. And that was really, really good. And family uh, would have come to vibrant faith, speaking for her at the moment, when she was about 11 years old. And it took me a bit longer. I was 21, just leaving college and was part of the charismatic renewal that came through Ireland at the time. And just a real encounter with God that changed both of us, I think, uh, changed me at the time. And Valerie, she said, she was younger. And uh, we met up and uh, we got married and we got involved in the things you do when you get married and two children came along. James and Emma Jane were in a Baptist church at the time. We were in the Baptist denomination. And that was really good. It was really solid and uh, met our needs in terms of pastoral care, wisdom, and we found really cared for, and that was good. But then, after a period of time, as our kids were coming into their teenage years, ourselves, we felt just a tugging again of the Holy Spirit, just like another move of the Holy Spirit. We felt that God was calling us to more. And uh, we were networking outside of the Baptist circles, and that's when we met up with George and Melanie, Hillary at the time. And so when we felt God was calling us to more, to a more spacious place, we, we checked out Nisbet and Christian Fellowship, and George happened to be speaking on. Yeah, definitely. God was calling us to uh, to move in uh, along with George and the, the family there in LCF. That was really good for us during that period of time because we found it to be a spacious place. So the boundaries were good. The boundaries were there. The solid. Uh, lots of good folks to journey with. And that's what we spent our last number of years there was journeying, going deeper with God and journeying with some solid people around us. So that's been our, our story up to up to there. That's good. And then uh, how long are you there now in, in Mayo? Mayo. I suppose we're in Mayo now. 18 years are past. We're into our 19th year. And uh, so it's just gone like a a flash, really. The time has really passed. You felt, you felt God calling you to specifically to Mayo? You want to share that, Bonnie? Yeah, um, how we got, got here, um, uh, I guess we were in LCF and things were going great. And just looking back and thinking about, you know, those days, it's just amazing how God equips you in the, in the secular world. You know, we both were working and uh, we felt in the mid-90s, God just speaking to us and saying that we would be moving house. And so that was fine. We didn't understand what or where. But the years passed and we occasionally would pray about it. And um, then uh, we felt God ask us to give up our work. And uh, just a really strange thing happened. The, the anointing for our work just lifted and it was like we were both just going through the, the motions and uh, so we managed to give up work and around the same time there was a couple in our church at the time on sabbatical 
They had been pastors in Galway for 20 years. And they invited us to come and do a prayer walk in North Mayo uh, with a view to uh, an outreach called Power to Change. And it was while we were on that prayer walk that this uh, lovely man, when it came to walking along the coast and coming to Ballycastle Village, Ballycastle County Mayo, um, uh, James Clark, he prayed so passionately and then he prophesied and said that he felt God was saying that God would send a shepherd that would bring a sheep from one mountain and another mountain and bring them down to the beach at Bally Castle and um, basically uh, to cut a long story short uh, God sent us because he really spoke to us about that that was where he wanted us to be and uh, long story short it's not where I would have uh, wanted to be in a remote place but this is home and it's just uh, a fantastic amazing exciting place to be and we're just so privileged among a, a lovely god-fearing catholic community that we love dearly so that's where we are it does look beautiful i've seen a wee video of uh yeah. a drone video wasn't it above your house and, yeah and you can yeah. see right down yeah. to, to the beach and it does look like a beautiful part of ireland um it is. there's a wee is, is there a, a bit of a story about saint patrick on the, on the beach is it on the beach just down from you or um uh yeah in saint patrick's writings in his confession he talks about having a dream where the angel Victoricus came to him in a dream with letters and he heard the voice of the Irish by the wood of Volcott by the Western Sea saying, come holy boy and walk among us. And the wood of Volcott is really like a salt march, which is quite just right beside us here. So we are um, where Patrick heard the voice of the Irish saying, come holy boy and walk among us. Wow, so it's a special place. Tell me, uh, tell, tell us some of the some of the challenges that that you face, um, and also some of the opportunities that, that that you get presented with to share the gospel. Yeah, the challenges are, I suppose, quite real. When the history here is so good, I mean, we have three major monasteries within a, a few miles of us, so there's been a, a very significant Christian his, history here. But like a lot of places, it is. Become, um, uh, it's been faded. Church attendance has dropped. And the whites, there's a real openness to prayer amongst the people here and a real respect and reverence for ourselves. Uh, we can connect um, quite easily with the older people and we can do that quite regularly. But the youth uh, is a real challenge. The younger people, I think that's a, a common thing. The millennials and the snowflake generation, we can, we're really grandparents to them. So that is an issue. Um, when we've had people here working with the youth, they responded really, really well. And we can see amongst a lot of the young people that we talk to, they really do have a heart for God, but the church as it is here, the traditional church, it just doesn't scratch where they're itching. Uh, it's a different language. Um, probably the other thing would be, just, as you say, the huge distances. The area that we would feel ourselves responsible for, feel a call to, is 80 miles across. Uh, that's a bit like from where you're sitting to Port yeah, Russia, Port Stewart, in terms of geography. So the distances are huge. We've got one lovely lady would come to our meetings in the house here fairly regularly. It's 40 miles each way for her. So a return journey to see us is 80 miles. And you know, if I'm doing a, a pastoral visit with some one lady, she's blind and she's a lovely person. We don't do it now because of the COVID, but uh, we would be visiting her maybe twice a week. Well, in terms, it, she's three quarters of an hour away each way. So just to see her is an hour and a half on the road, plus the time you spend with her. So the distances are huge. Believers are, they know each other, but they're, they're really scattered out. And probably the other thing may come as a shock to you, but uh, we are not getting any younger. We've been here for 20, almost 20 years now, and we did take retirement uh, a bit early. So we're into our uh, pension years. So that is a difficulty in terms of energy. We've had lots of it. We keep going. We're determined to keep running until the, until the end. Um, but uh, yeah, the energy 
energy levels would be uh, a consideration. Yeah. What do you think, Paul? Yeah. Um, challenges. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think, for instance, the property here is quite large. The garden alone is is a, a full time job in itself. Uh, so we're we just need. Uh, in terms of praying for us, we need um, we just need continued good health. Um, God has been God has been very good. Yeah, yeah. God has been very yeah. good. And uh, yeah. so yeah, um, we don't major in the challenges. We major in the Holy Spirit, and God has been very very good uh, because the opportunities really at times we have uh, had amazing opportunities to speak into families where, you know, the number of times we stood beside open coffins where people have before they, they died given their lives to the Lord clearly. And you're able to stand so often in Catholic homes and just to share the gospel and how this person had given their lives to the Lord with to see the family respond to that. that opportunities are amazing. That's come because over the years, the time we've been here, we've built confidence with them. They know who we are. And they trust us, and that's been a huge thing. Um, but there's a, there's an openness here in, in a way that maybe there isn't in every part of Ireland. But there's a real openness here and a real respect uh, for prayer and for God uh, and for Jesus and for the name Jesus. Yeah. Um, uh, that the stories are just numerous of people when they have difficulty would come here for prayer. Sometimes they'll come openly and they don't mind if people know. Other times there's a phone call and they make an arrangement they don't want the neighbours to know. But equally, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the number of times we prayed with people in the kitchen or, or wherever. Uh, I, I think at times life is not convenient here, Matthew. No. Um, and people here are a, a tough, hardy group of uh, farmers, very rural fishermen. And they, they, they want to see what you're made of. Yeah. And they really uh, put you to the test. You know, are you willing? Are you willing to come up and help us bring in our turf? Are you willing to get your hands dirty? Are you willing to, um, you know... Uh, Can they trust you with a secret? They... Yeah, or you tell the guards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at times of crisis, you know, where there's sickness or, or difficulty, are you willing to come and help? Mm. Um, you know, we have a lot of alcoholism, uh, and with that goes domestic abuse. And, you know, even just going and standing and being a peacemaker. Uh, we've had to prove ourselves in a lot of ways and sometimes life is not convenient and that can be a challenge as well. Yeah. Also an opportunity, eh? What? Okay. No, that's yeah. great. That's, that's given us a real <clears throat> insight into, uh, into what life in, in Mayo looks like. Um, so you mentioned one of the what was one of the a few of the ways we could pray for you about yeah i think like you're very much like yourselves you know god's been speaking in this lockdown time it's a reset time and just for us personally but also for the leaders here that we are able to balance activity with just that going deeper with the lord that we are positioning ourselves for how God wants us to be listening and like it's it's like a time when we really need to be uh, positioned for what lies ahead um, so just balancing activity with coming aside with the Lord uh, because it, it is there, there's opportunities for a lot of activity and yet I just feel the Lord is just calling us deeper into the sacred place. Mm. So there's that balance Balance. just to pray for us, just not just us, but the leaders here, Mm. that they will not just go back to church when this is over as business as usual. We know God has spoken to us to be what he wants us to be in the next season. And I think also um, with an increasing secular Irish society here, we... um, where the Bible is irrelevant, as not a relevant book, the days of debate and persuasion and discussion over the gospel are gone. Uh, Paul said, you know, in his in 
Corinthians, you know, I did not come with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but with power and demonstration of the gospel. Just pray for us for a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit mm. among the leaders here and in terms of just that we be Jesus in terms of demonstrating the gospel because that is the one thing that is speaking to people here, just the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So we would love you just to keep praying for us on that Please score. That's great. That's brilliant. Um, I'll pray for you in a moment, but um, people, people, if people want to connect with you, they can do so on the website. You've got a wee profile on there, so join the journey.co.uk forward slash world mission. And so if anybody wants to get in touch, they can, there's a link on there to connect with you via email. So Thank you. It's, it's been amazing to catch up with you. So can I just pray for you before we... Thank you, Matthew. So, Father, we just thank you for uh, technology, first of all, just to connect with Bert and Val. Um, we just we thank you for them. We thank you for their story, what you've done in their lives. And we thank you, God, that you've taken them all the way to Mayo just to be a light in that region. And we just pray that you will continue to bless them in their, in their work um, as they seek to share the gospel with the community there, as they seek to share share you jesus with everybody they come into contact with we thank you for the impact that they've had in that region already uh, thank you that the same people give their lives to jesus through their ministry there and we just pray for an increase in that in this season ahead we thank you for the hope that they have and the hope that they communicate and i pray um and, and as we come out of lockdown that you'll give them uh, abundant opportunities to share the good news and hope of hope of the gospel and we thank you, God, uh, for Valerie sharing that verse of the gospel. Uh, is, is not of persuasive words, but of power. And so we pray, just Holy Spirit, that in this next season, they will get opportunities just to demonstrate the power um, that comes uh, through following you. And so we just pray for them, pray for their family, for their kids, grandkids. We just pray your blessing and your favor upon their lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Matthew. Until next week. Until. Bye. God bless. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank, Thank you. Bless you. What a joy it is to be part of a wider missionary movement across the world here through the Journey Church. It was special to hear from Burton Val, wasn't it? Um, I hope you enjoyed that. And we really look forward in the coming days to building on these relationships, um, to form meaningful connections and partnership in the gospel. I mean, we all need that, don't we? I mean, we weren't designed to travel alone. We're designed to travel in relationship with Jesus and keep working at that, building that up, strengthening that. And then we're called to live in relationship with one another. You know, b both, of, both of those relationships with Jesus and with others, they require effort and they require patience and intentionality. That's one of our core values here at the Journey Church, intentionality. We've got to go out of our way and make it a priority to want to focus on our relationship with Jesus and with other people. Sometimes it's the easiest thing to do. You just shut ourselves off, shut ourselves off from God, shut ourselves off from others. But that's not the kingdom way. The kingdom way is relationship. It's been that way from the beginning and it continues to be God's way. And that's what I want to take time and focus on this morning with you. This whole idea of walking in relationship with Jesus. If you're joining us for this morning for the first time, um, I want to let you know that over previous weeks, we have embarked on this series of messages called From Easter the Pentecost. We're looking at that unique time period in between the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension to heaven. And during that period of time, Jesus was preparing his followers how to live without his physical presence. He was going to ascend to heaven, but the Holy Spirit was going to come. And remarkably, in his ministry, Jesus said that it was to the people's advantage that he went away 
because Jesus can only be in one place at one time, whereas the Holy Spirit was being poured out in all flesh. He was going to be inside his followers, dwelling inside his followers permanently. And that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples and what he's continuing to teach us. So we want to turn to Luke chapter 24, the story of the two disciples on the road to the little village called Emmaus. They were making the seven-mile journey from Jerusalem back to their home after the death of Jesus, and they weren't in a good place. And I just want us to learn from the teaching of Jesus today just how to handle disappointment, how to handle discouragement, how to handle doubt, and how to advance in our relationship with Jesus and in our relationship with others. How do we keep on keeping on? How do we keep on going when we feel discouraged? Let's jump into this uh, section of scripture, Luke 24, beginning the read at verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. A real down-to-earth, real-life story of people who were struggling and Jesus came to meet them. That's what I love about Jesus. He comes to meet us where we're at. And I just feel that this whole lockdown season for all of us has given us time to reflect and hopefully given us time to refocus because when we come out of this season there's going to be incredible opportunities. I think there's going to be a season of reaping. For many of us, for many years, we've been sowing the seed. We've been watering the seed in prayer. We've sought to be faithful to what God has called us to do and walk in obedience to him. And we've been sowing and watering and sowing and watering and waiting and watering 
and waiting and watering. And I think the Lord is going to bring us into a time of reaping, a harvest. But we got to be ready for it. we got to be prepared for it within our own hearts, within our minds. This is a time for us to strengthen relationships, family relationships, husband and wife, with our children, thinking about our day-to-day jobs, our careers. And they ask ourselves the question, what do we really want out of the future? What are our priorities? What legacy do we want to leave behind for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and the generations to come? What is it we really place importance on? And to know that Jesus is pursuing us in that, he is wanting to walk with us in that. This story tells us about two disciples, one called Cleopas, not one of the twelve, but an earlier early follower of Jesus, walking with another disciple. We don't know who that other disciple was. We don't know whether it was Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. Let's say that it is. And they're, they're returning back home seven miles. It's, it's quite a journey. It's quite a walk. But they were, if you like, they were, they were checking out of the game. They were saying, we're out. We've just faced discouragement and disappointment And really their expectations hadn't been met. And that's what can happen to us at times in life. You know, we all enter into a season or a new job or we start off with a new church um, or we make new friends and we all start off with what we call hopeful expectations, okay? We have an idea in our mind of how we would like things to go. And very often in life, we're hit with disappointment. Um, Maybe friendships didn't go the the way we wanted them to go. Maybe relationship with our local church, uh, it's maybe not just what we would have liked. Um, And sometimes we can can check out. They're called hopeful expectations. And often the reality is what we call unmet expectations. And often the progress in our lives, in our Christian lives, are often how we deal with those unmet expectations. You see, so often it can be that those hopeful expectations will come to pass in your life, but maybe not in the time scale that you thought they would. So in other words, we lack patience and we miss out in life. We miss out in blessing simply because we didn't hang around long enough. I remember sharing this narrative um, over previous years in our church, especially the early years of our church when we were forming who we were and the direction we were going. And maybe progress wasn't as quick as people would have liked it to have been. And, you know, we were preaching this big vision, but it didn't seem to match what was going on on the ground. And I remember reiterating again and again to people, if you hang around this local church long enough, you will get to see everything that you've dreamed of plus more. And I stand here today in the midst of COVID-19 and everything that's going on, still with that sense of conviction and a great level of expectancy of what God is going to do and how he's going to break out by his spirit, bring in a great harvest of souls. We can already see how he's connecting us with many people across the world and these missionary families and what he's been doing in recent months in the life of our church. Friends, you have every right to be excited. In the midst of challenge, yes, and in the midst of loss and uncertainty, you have a right to be excited about what God wants to do in you and through you and in and through the church um, that we're a part of, our local church, and also the churches across our city and across our nation. Hopeful expectations, unmet expectations. Cleopas and the other disciple on their way home, checking out of the game. They had lost focus of Jesus. And when we lose focus of Jesus, we lose focus of our mission. When we lose focus of Jesus, we lack the conviction to carry through with what we believe. And we become more passive than active. Things begin to slip. Our marriage relationships are not what they should be. Our relationships with our children, with our, with our employers, with our local church, and our standards drop, and we stop dreaming. 
what Jesus was doing in this period between Easter and Pentecost was he was reigniting people's dreams. He was lighting people's fires again. And he was saying, you can dream bigger and greater dreams than than you've ever done before because the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out on all believers. And he's going to come and he's going to take up permanent residence inside you. And he's going to bring the heart of the Father to you. And he's going to strengthen you and empower you and equip you and give you everything that you need to become the person that God has called you to be, to do the work that he's called you to do. And that's what I want us to feel inside us. Hope. And hope is the belief that the future is going to be better than the present. I want us to feel hope. Hope is about what we feel inside. And I want our faith to be increased. And our faith is about what we see with the eyes of our heart, what we see God doing, what what God wants to do for us and how he wants to work in our behalf and work in us and through us. And that's, that's what Jesus is all about, drawing alongside. And he draws alongside Cleopas and the other disciple and he begins to open up the scriptures to them and he begins to have a conver- conversation with them and he enters into their disappointment And he begins to show them that there's a bigger picture and that there's something going on that they can't see. And even though Jesus had, on many occasions, had taken the opportunity to share with his followers that they were going to experience Jesus being crucified, but on the third day he would rise again. When it happened, they just didn't get it. And Jesus says to them, you're slow of heart to believe. But he journeys with them. He enters into their confusion. And when they get to the home, they share communion together and the Holy Spirit gives them revelation. And their eyes are opened and they realize it's Jesus. And what happens after their eyes are opened is Jesus vanishes out of their sight. You see, he leaves them again. And and we find this pattern where he comes and draws alongside them and then he leaves them because he's preparing them for um, when he leaves and the Holy Spirit is, is with them. And what happens is they go back to Jerusalem and they tell the other disciples that Jesus is alive. And what's happening there is they're getting back in the game. Jesus is saying, I want you to get back in the game. And maybe, I'm sure we've all had a time in our lives when we've checked out of the game. And I want to encourage everyone listening to this message to get back in the game with Jesus. To once again find your space and your place and to recognize that the Lord needs you to be back in the game. Your church needs you to be back in the game. Your family needs you to be in the game. To get connected again in your thoughts and in your hearts. And and I know that life can be disappointing. And the unmet expectations and people say things that hurt us. And we feel we've been mistreated. And we get discouraged because we thought God didn't stand with us in our time of need. And all of that, that is real life. But what we learn from the story on the road to a mess is this. Jesus is there with us to help us to deal with our disappointments. And you know what happens when we don't deal with our disappointments properly? Those disappointments lead to discouragement. So things go, emotions go a little bit deeper. And discouragement is really a lack of courage. We lose our courage. We lose our fight. We lose our conviction. We lose our will. And when we don't deal with discouragement properly, it leads to doubt. And then we begin to blame God. And we begin to feel God doesn't care about us anymore. And things go deeper and deeper. And then if we don't deal with our doubts properly, that leads to disillusionment and all of our lights go out and we become completely disillusioned with Christianity, with the church, with people, and we adopt what's called the victim mentality. And we just feel like we're victims and everyone's against us. And the danger is that we can go on to live the rest of our lives with a victim mentality. We go on to live our lives with a spirit of entitlement that, you know, the world owes us something and why am I not the center of attention? Um, We live with a cynical attitude and we see see the wrong in everyone. We see the dirt in everyone rather than seeing the gold and we become negative in our thoughts and our attitudes and we're a blessing to no one and we become horrible really to be around. And then 
If we don't deal with disillusionment, that leads to depression. That begins to impact our health, our whole mental well-being, our physical well-being, and every aspect of our lives. That's the D's. Disappointment, discouragement, doubt, disillusionment, and depression. Okay? And I'm sure we can all relate to that in life. You know, if you've lived life for any length of time, which we all have, we have faced these things. And I certainly have faced these things with my family as we embarked on planting a church, establishing a church, um, trying to deal with people's emotions of unmet expectations, and at the same time trying to live your own life, trying to help your own family, strengthen your own family, trying to build a church, people coming, people going, dealing with all your emotions, yet at the same time asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, how do I keep going in the midst of this? Because I know that the vision that you have given me is of you and the same for your life. And I want you to progress. I want you to progress in your career. I want your family to progress. I want you to flourish. I want the hopes and dreams and aspirations that you have for your children to come to pass, for your church, for your community. I as a pastor want you to live a fulfilled life. And how much more does Jesus want you to be fulfilled let me just touch a little bit on the issue of doubt. We had a question asked to us during the week by one of the participants in our Alpha course. And the question was this, can you have doubt and still be a Christian? Well, the question is absolutely. What was going on here in the Road to MS with doubt? They were, they were, they were struggling to believe all that Jesus had told them in his ministry and that's why the Lord took them back to the scriptures the Old Testament scriptures and began to reinforce to them the 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 importance of truth in fact when I was asked that question during the week I felt it was important to emphasize that the opposite of faith is not doubt the opposite of faith is unbelief that's an unwillingness to believe so doubt is placed somewhere in that space in between unbelief and faith and I mean, we all move in certain levels of doubt at any given time. None of us have a, have a perfect faith. There will come a day when faith will give way to sight and we'll, we'll see Jesus for who he is in all of his fullness. But this in-between space is, is, is dealing with, with our doubts. Now, my desire for you is you, you don't live in a great level of doubt. The, the idea is that as we walk with Jesus and we develop, we get to know him better and he's working in our lives, that our doubt becomes less and our faith becomes stronger. But don't ignore those doubts. Don't suppress those doubts. The Christian church in the past at times has been guilty of not giving believers space to ask questions and even space to doubt. Well, I want to encourage you that this church is a safe space to ask questions and to work through your doubts and to see your level of faith in Jesus increase. So one of the ways of of dealing with doubt in a healthy way is to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Let me encourage you today. God is not afraid of your questions. In fact, he welcomes your questions and he wants to receive your questions and he wants to come to you with answers. Now here's the point. Are you prepared and ready for the answer that he's going to give? If you're going to ask him questions, you must be ready and willing for the answer to come. And at times the answer that God gives us might not be the answer that we want to hear. Because often the answer he gives us will highlight in our lives maybe a defect, an area of weakness where we need to grow. And that can be painful. Because we have to lift our hands up and we have to say, Lord, I got it wrong. And we have to be willing to say, well, that's an area of my life, Lord, that I know I'm going to have to change with your help. But that's okay. When Jesus puts his finger in an area of our lives where we need to change, he doesn't do that to condemn us. He does that to transform us because he wants to make us more powerful people. He wants to increase our faith. And he wants to make us more effective and more impactful in our lives. Listen, there's no condemnation for the sons and daughters of God. God does nothing in our lives to shame us. Everything that he does in our lives is for our good and to help us to grow. And remember this in the midst of doubt. It's not the strength of your faith that saves you. It's the person who your faith is in. 
Do you get that? It's not the strength of your faith that saves you. It's the person who your faith is in. What I mean by that is this. If you take 10 people who come to Jesus for, for salvation, those 10 people are coming with different levels of faith. You could get someone who's kicking the doors down and God has had come and met them in this incredible way, but like Saul of Tarsus and God strikes them down and they have this incredible testimony of how the light shone on them and Jesus met them. They're coming with a really high level of faith saying, Jesus, save me. And then there's the other person who's at the other end of the scale and they're coming with a real tentative faith. They haven't got everything together. They don't have the big shining light testimony. But nevertheless, there's faith there in Jesus Christ. Jesus sees that faith and gives that person his righteousness and they're saved in those grounds. So I hope that gives some people freedom in regards to your doubts. We're here to accept and love and help you to grow. But in the remainder of time that we have left this morning, I want to focus on this issue of disappointment. This first characteristic that we touched on in our five Ds, disappointment. Because if we can deal with disappointment well and not allow that downward spiral of discouragement and doubt and disillusionment and depression, if we learn to deal with our disappointments well, it will go a long way to helping us progress in our lives. We all face disappointments. In fact, I can hardly think of a more important quality in the Christian life than learning to deal with disappointment well. And that's what we find here. Two disappointed people. And Jesus comes along. He wants to lift them up out of their disappointment and wants to get them back in the game. Um, similar to what I mentioned about doubt, when you're dealing with disappointment, it's just important to be honest. I mean, real, raw honesty with God. I am disappointed. Don't try and hide it. Don't try and brush it under the carpet. Just be honest with God. Now, I don't think it's right to be angry with God. Um, I'm, I'm not justifying being angry with God. Um, now, if you... if if you do get angry with him, and at times people do get angry with God, especially in real times of crisis, I mean, he's not going to abandon you. <laughs> he's committed to you beyond measure. In fact, one of the characteristics of the new covenant is God has covenant, covenanted himself to do you good all the days of your life. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. God is just continually pursuing you to do you good. You're his son. You're his daughter. He's obsessed with loving you. He will continue to do you good, even if you're angry with him. But God is righteous. God is never wrong. His ways are just and perfect. And our task is in the midst of our disappointment is to, to figure out, and we have questions, and we're looking answers. And that's where we must keep the levels of conversation open with God and we must learn to speak to him and we must learn to give space for allowing him to speak back and of course he speaks back through his word he speaks back through his spirit and all the ways that he's ordained to speak in our relationship with him but we need to give ourselves space and say Lord speak speak to me give me understanding deal with disappointment in conversation with God and in conversation with others and you know yourself in any relationship take a marriage relationship when conversation goes you start to see um, the relationship disintegrate and it's important just talk to God do you struggle with prayer I know so many people struggle with prayer why not in your prayer life shift from just primarily focusing on oh that's 10 minutes of my life that I set aside to pray 10 minutes in the morning or 10 minutes in the evening. Now, that's, that's okay. That's fine. That's good. But why not develop this ongoing conversation with God? When you're in Asda getting the shopping, when you're driving to work in the, uh, in the car, when you're out for a walk with the dog, when you're sitting at home on the couch, why not just begin to talk to God and make that a, a holy practice? Get into the way of doing that. You will find an increased strength. You will find um, more uh, how God speaks back to you, more evidence of that in your life. 
just get into this way of, of talking to him as a, as a friend to friend. And at times you'll get answers, and at times you won't get answers. At times in our lives we just have to be content that living with an element of mystery. Because none of us have all the answers. And at times Jesus doesn't give us the answer that we want, but he does give us himself. And with himself comes a grace. With himself comes an energy. With himself self comes an ability. That's what we mean by grace. It's God's enabling ability. Where God enables us to be able to live in that, that with that element of mystery and just say, God, I, I trust you in that. I can't necessarily see your hand, but I trust your heart because I know who you are and I know that you are a good God. You see, that is the important point to remember about the nature of God. God is always good. He is not the author or the source of evil or confusion in your life. God is always good. And if we establish that principle and that truth in our lives, then it frees us up um, not to get caught up in blaming God. And that's how I handle it in my own life. When I'm disappointed or discouraged, I don't blame God because I have experienced enough of the goodness of God in my life to know that he's good, that he rescued me, that he came to me in my life at a time when, when I was far from him. He's good. And each morning when I waken up, I intentionally center my thoughts on the cross of Jesus Christ because the cross of Christ tells me that God is good. At the cross, the Father gave me his best and that was his Son. And as it says in Romans 8 and 32, if the Father has given us his Son, will he not with him freely give us all things? He's good. Yes, we're living in a, a spiritual battle the enemy is there. He's always wanting to sow seeds of unbelief and strife and confusion. But not God. Not God. He is good and his thoughts toward us are, are, are always good. So we need to remember that. He gave us his best. He gave us his son. So it's important, you know, when dealing with disappointment, you know, to keep our hearts right before God. Proverbs says that our hearts are like a wellspring of life and everything else flows from our, from our hearts, you know, and don't allow bitterness and resentment to get into our hearts. Just keep our focus on the goodness of God, worship our way through the storms and the difficulties of life, and you will find that that season of disappointment won't last forever. Jesus will bring you out of that into pastures green and still waters. You see, we got to serve Jesus from that place of an, an overflowing heart, that place of, of, of gratitude. If my heart is not filled up in him daily, I'm no use to anyone else. I'm walking about, my tank's empty, I have nothing to give anyone else. And then that's when I begin to adopt that, what I referred to earlier on, that spirit of entitlement. Why is no one focusing all the attention on me? It's all about me. But when we're satisfied in Jesus and our hearts are filled up with him, we have so much more to give away. And that was, is what Jesus is teaching his disciples from Easter to Pentecost. He's preparing them to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned earlier too, this season of lockdown is providing an opportunity, I hope for many of us, to draw a line in the sand with maybe old ways of thinking, old habits and say, I'm going to get back in the game. Jesus, why not open up that conversation with the Holy Spirit this week? Lord, I want to get back in the game. I want to get engaged again. I want to be present. I want to be the person you've called me to be. I want to dream again. I want to come alive again in you. I want to feel hope and faith again. That's what's burning in the heart of Jesus for you. Lay your disappointments down. Be honest. Let the Lord shine his light on those and let him strengthen you and heal you to move on. Because we're entering into 
a, a fantastic season, even here in our church life, off the back of all this COVID, the joining of the two churches and, and the potential of everything that Jesus has for us and people getting saved and people getting disciples and our kids being impacted and all of us encountering God together. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to posture your heart to receive everything that God has for you. Let's be done with old ways of thinking. You see, you can't look like your history when you're about to step into your destiny. And there's a certain amount of old ways, old habits, old that we just need to put them aside and say, Lord, no more. I'm going to walk in the power of the Spirit. I'm going to live out in the, the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And I'm going to be saturated by God. I'm seeking you, Lord. A fresh touch from you. Just your power in my life. I want the joy of the Lord again to be my strength. I want to know what it means for my home to be filled with worship. I want, to, I want that uh, to be skipping and jumping. I want that spring in my step and in, in, in my job again. Or maybe it's a, a change of direction. Maybe it's a new job. What is it that God has for us in all of his goodness? We need once again to get to that place of surrender. Let me land this plane. Let me finish off with this thought. And it's the thought of how the two disciples encountered Jesus in their home. They didn't recognize who he was, which shows us that so much of life is to do, so much progress that we uh, make in life um, lies with, with, with our desire and our need for the Holy Spirit to give us illumination. It's not a, a human thing. It's not a fleshly thing. It's to do with God opening up our understanding. And that's what happens as they take the communion as we're just about to do in just a couple of minutes. They take the bread and when they break the bread, their eyes are opened, their spiritual eyes are opened and they see Jesus. And it's, wow, they see Jesus. And they are reinvigorated. The walk up that road was slow. It was a trudge. There wasn't much energy. And they run back to Jerusalem. Because the energy of God has entered into their hearts again. That's what we need. A fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. That's what our families need. That's what our community needs. That's what the world needs. They need to see a people who are on fire for God. And living in his energy and in his strength. That's what Jesus wants for us.